Turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis. For the past few years, I've had the privilege of standing in this pulpit on the last Sunday of the year with the opportunity to look forward to the next. Now, we believe that God continues to speak to us today. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. We know God has given us his written word, every word in its truth. The Bible says it is. We believe it. God still speaks to us through it. He illuminates it. He applies it. 99.9%, this is the normative way that God still speaks to us today. But, you know, we still need the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking to us what we call prophetically. A word in season. Some way that this Bible becomes not just words on a page in truth, but rhema to you and I. And so I believe I always, around this time of the year, begin to seek God, what are you saying for the next 12-month period of time? Now, we know God's not impressed with 12-month chunks of time, a Roman calendar, man-made timekeeping. We got all that. But God does speak, and the Bible speaks of He changes times and seasons. And it's important for us to be able to recognize when a season is upon us so we'll know how to respond once we come to that season. Amen? And for that reason, I believe God does speak to prophetic men and women to help us in those preparations. Last year, those of you who are part of Grace, you heard me speak a word on double. That was going to be a message for 2014. And I had the privilege of speaking and prophesying that word dozens of times, literally last year, around the world. And I had dozens of testimonies of how God specifically moved in accordance with that word. So I want you to listen today very intently. You know, you can listen at a lot of different levels. The same way that a child can listen to you at a certain level. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? A child, you know, it's just, just, they'll listen just enough not to get whooped. And many times, husbands will do exactly the same thing. They'll listen just enough not to get whooped. You know what I'm talking about, men. All right, women, leave your elbows by your side. Thank you very much. Remove them from your husband's rib cage. He already gave a rib for you. Sorry. Really bad. Don't know where that came from. It's biblical too, so just let it pass, all right? But coming into this year, God spoke a single word to me prophetically. He just said Goshen. And, of course, that's not hard to do to go back to Scripture and find the account of Goshen. And so what I want you to do today, I want you to listen with spiritual ears. Not just listen and say, okay, well, that's kind of a neat message, and he kind of made that work. That's wonderful. But I want you to ask the Spirit to let you hear something today. John the Revelator wrote in Revelation, let those who have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that's what I'm praying for us this morning. Amen? Genesis, the 47th chapter, so interesting that Pastor Danell's both their transition and offering were both from, from the life of Joseph. We're going to land right there. Genesis, the 47th chapter. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. So he chose five of his brothers, presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked her brothers, what's your occupation? Your servants are shepherds. Now remember, back in chapter 46, they had been coached, this is what you're supposed to say. Just as our fathers were. They said, well, we've come to live here a while because the famine is severe in Canaan. 
and your servants' flocks have no pasture, so please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father, your brothers have come, let the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part, the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Now we're seeing blessings begin to accrue right here in this first encounter. So Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, how old are you? This is interesting. Jacob said, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. Listen to his testimony. My years have been few and difficult. And they don't equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. So fascinating. If you look at the end of Abraham's life and look at the end of Isaac's life, and you look at their testimony, very, very different than Jacob's here. It's almost like Jacob's journey based on the, the almost recompense, for lack of a better word, for how he kind of came into the blessing that he came into. He's 130 years old in this, in this moment. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father, his brothers in Egypt, gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their number of children. Goshen, if you look at the etymology of that word, is very, very simple. You don't have to unpack this deeply. The word very simply means drawing near. That's what Goshen means. But for the sake of my message here today, I have to use a P to make my message hang together. So I'm going to use the word proximity in order to describe this concept of drawing near. And if you notice that the protection and blessing of Jacob and his family begins with the proximity to Joseph. Now, as you know, Joseph is a type of in the Old Testament, of Jesus. And so as you see both the going before, the preparation, the provision, everything that is attached to Joseph, we find reflected in Jesus and his relationship to us. But we find all the way back to Genesis 49, 45 rather, and this prefaces the trip to Egypt. Now remember the brothers had gone, Pastor Donnell highlighted that for you. And so... Once the brothers have been made known to each other, we find this account in in verses 9 through 11, Genesis 45. Joseph speaking, hurry back to my father and say, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Let me say, for many of us, we have these moments of hesitation when we hear God say something of, is this really the right moment? Could you really be calling me out of Canaan to go to Egypt? You must be kidding. And many times God will call us to places that this is not in any way connected to our idea of what the Goshen in our mind might look like. What God's protection and provision might look like for us. Come. Down to me, don't delay. You'll live in the region of Goshen, and here we go, and be near me. You see, Goshen, yeah, it was a great piece of dirt. It's wonderful if you were a herdsman, 
But it wasn't just how good the dirt was. It was the fact that it was located within the purview and the view of Joseph. That's what made it Goshen. And I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. And he promises that that provision will be for your children, you, your children, and grandchildren, your flocks, and all you have. There's a generational promise in this move of getting to where God wants you to be. It's not just about you. It's not just for getting you through a moment of famine, but you're setting something in place that has generational impact. I'll provide for you there. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Now, that's not a Deuteronomy 28 blessing and cursing statement. That's just a statement of fact. You stay where you are, you're going to be real hungry. You're going to lose everything that you've got unless you hear and heed this word and move and move now. As you know, Jacob's boys were not real smart. Seriously. I mean, they're sitting around wondering, Whoa, we, we're hungry. We need some food. Jacob said, you want to get up and go to Egypt and buy some then? I mean, they were not real. You know, they, they not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but nevertheless. But if you stay here, not unlike those lepers, if we stay here, we're going to die. It's time to move. And where you are is never as important as who you are near. This is an important statement that sets up everything else. Is that where you are is never as important as who you are near. So many times we think that the promised land is always out there somewhere. The reality is it's probably closer than you think. It has less to do with geography and situation than it does the relationships God has put around our life. The first one being him. Encountering Christ. We have three E's as part of our mission in this church. And the very first one is encountering Christ. And let me say to you that you know, we, by the grace of God, God's helped us do a few things right here. You have a seat to sit in. The air conditioner's or the, the heat's running. You have a place to park. And folk come. We've got a, an extremely talented worship team. We've got a great man that stands in this pulpit and opens this word week after week. But the reality is, if you come here week after week after week, and you never encounter Christ... We have failed you somehow, and you have failed the reason why you come. It's not just to encounter Pastor Brett. It's not just to encounter a competent worship team. It's not just to encounter your buddies out there in the lobby. As important as all those things are, if you're not encountering Christ, we have ecclesiastically failed in our mission to you. And you have failed to properly receive what we're trying to serve. But in this encountering, this proximity... There are two parts. First is a positional part. Ephesians 2.13, In Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The verb there indicates it's something that has already happened and is yet still happening. It's because of the shed blood of Christ, you have already been brought near. This has nothing to do 
Quite frankly, with how you respond, it has nothing to do with revelation. It has nothing to do with the reality of how you live your life. But positionally, you have already been brought as near to God as you possibly can because of the shed blood of Jesus. Now, let me tell you, we may have the position, but we don't do much with it many times. That's why there has to be a second or a personal part. What do we do with this purchased position? Hebrews 10.22 says, then let us draw near to God with a full assurance of faith. Our hearts being right, sprinkled with the blood, washed. You see, it's not just enough to, if you wish, have your card stamped, to be all right. To be, be, be positionally righteous. But we have to then take that drawing near. We have to do something to cooperate with it. And the paradox of this is it says in James 4, 8, come near to God, he'll come near to you. Something that is very interesting. God's done, and see, God always makes the first step, and then he waits for you and I to make another one. He's made the big one. He's waiting for you and I just to make some small ones. You know, you and I are going to have a moment here as we look at ourselves and make all these great resolutions for the coming year to, you know, lose that extra how many pounds and to, you know, deal with this nasty personal habit and get out of debt and, you know, all these great things that we're going to do. We're going to dig out the exercise machine that's become the clothes rack for the last 12 months. And you know how all this goes. But perhaps, just perhaps, the greatest resolution that you and I can make next year is to figure out how we can close the gap of the proximity to God in our life. I got to tell you, that would be a wildly successful year for me. That I could get to the end of a 12-month period of time and I could honestly say, I'm closer to God today than I was at this time last year. But it all begins with proximity to God. But then we draw near to God, but we draw near to one another. It's important. It's the second E that we have here of experiencing community. And you know what? Experiencing community, it's a mess. It's expensive. It's time consuming. You know why? Because people are involved. Come on, you just got through with Christmas. You had all kinds of peoples around you. And you love it when they came and you loved it more when they left. I mean, you're just kind of looking around and say, I love them. Bye. <laughs> and you know, you can, you can kind of bump into people coming and going out of the lobby, but let me just tell you, that's not really community. Apple defines FaceTime one way, but we better define FaceTime biblically. And Hebrews said, don't neglect being together. And yes, it's going to require something of you. But hear me very carefully here. Inasmuch as there are aspects of God that can never be experienced corporately, conversely, there are aspects of God that can only be experienced corporately. Oh, I've got a secret history with God that my wife doesn't know about. God speaks to me every day and I don't come running downstairs from my office. Wait, guess what God said? She doesn't get much of that. It's personal, it's a private relationship. And yet, there are aspects of who God is that I'm only going to see through this woman.
There are aspects and facets of who God is. I'm only going to get through each one of you. I see something of God. Pastor Donnell, Pastor Sean. I see the Ancient of Days in Pastor Duke. So many. But so many aspects of who God is that we would never get outside of being together in close proximity to one another. Acts 4, Peter and John have just been miraculously let out of prison. What do they do? It says they went back to their own people. I love that. People. I was raised in the South. That's why this accent lingers like the smell of fried chicken in your home. And that used to be a real Southern thing. Who are their people? That was real important when you were growing up. I'm going to go hang out with so-and-so. Who are their people? Real important who their people were. Jim LaFoon said years ago that if you find your people, you'll find your purpose. But I believe there's a prerequisite to that. You've got to find your place before you can find your people. They went back to their own folk. And then it goes down in verse 31. They have church. You can imagine. I mean, angel let you out of prison. It says the place where they were meeting was shaken. But it happened corporately. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's certain things that you're only going to get in proximity with one another. And it's always going to be costly for you to do that. In that proximity, set my second point, you'll find presence. You get close to, close to God, you're going to find the presence of God. It's not any more complicated than that. Psalm 91, 1 through 2. If you've never memorized scripture, this wouldn't be a bad one to start with. You know this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We draw near, we find His presence. But in His placement, we find His presence. We find Him in the places He's prepared for us. You know, you always can find trouble if you're in the wrong place. You ever heard this expression? He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, you have to step back and ask, then why was he there? Years ago, I wanted to go to an outdoor all-day concert in Virginia Beach. And I was 16 at the time, hadn't been driving long, lived in eastern North Carolina. So it was about a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive. And my mother specifically told me, do not go to that concert. I'd had the tickets for months. <laughs> so, of course, I loaded the car up with as many other knuckleheads as I could find. And guess what we did? Come on. We went to Virginia Beach. Of course we did. And I'm thinking, no, I had concocted this story. 16-year-olds all think they're brilliant. And, I mean, and everything was working out really, really well. I mean, we were there, cooked in the sun all day, heard the Doobie Brothers. It was great. Went down to the beach. It's only one small detail. At 9 o'clock at night, when I went to crank the car, it wouldn't turn over. (laughs) 
And so, you know, you're 16, you don't think about things like AAA, and you don't, you know, you just go, ah! So guess what? I get to get on the phone. Um, I'm in Virginia Beach, and the car won't start. Well, there was a lot of backstory there, needless to say. Backstory, backsides, I mean, the whole thing kind of just, you, you understand where it's going from there. But you see, I was in the wrong place. I wasn't placed where I was supposed to have been in that moment. Are you with me? And let me say this, wherever God has placed you is your Goshen. You see, somehow, we always think Goshen is out there somewhere. And we've died into the destiny. We, know we, we love the destiny message so much. Destiny is out there. My place. The promised land. Here I come. And many Christians, that becomes their version of hide and seek. And we get over here. Pee pie. God come find me. Bless me here. You know, there's one thing I've learned parents don't like much is to have to find their young'uns. Boy, where are you? They don't like calling two or three times. Parents want their children to be where they're supposed to be. It's 9 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Dang right I do. And yet as adults somehow we think we can just hop around anywhere. We can place ourselves. We can deem it Goshen. And God somehow going to fall all over it. Goshen is where God has placed you. And let me say that it's not always where you think it is. I mean, here is Jacob, Israel, and his crew. They're moving from where? Canaan to where? Egypt. Now, the last time I checked, that's a pretty big cultural difference. If you look back in chapter 46... You'll see that it says that the Egyptians hated what? Shepherds. So now we're going to go to a place that's just culturally foreign. We're going to go in a profession that's already looked down upon. And yet this is going to be the place prepared for us by God and where God's going to place me. You have got to be kidding and you and I many times think Goshen is this place that somehow God got together with Walt Disney and they created this spot, this place. And yet many times Goshen can be very difficult. It can be that marriage and you look next to that person and say, you've got to be kidding. You place me, you got, and it's not what you deserve, it's what you need. Is being yoked to that man or that woman, that church, that job. Hmm. Goshen might be right where you are. And if you aren't, if you don't know that you know that you know that God has called you to where you are, find out. And if you know that this is where God has placed you, stay put. Because one of the biggest attacks of the enemy that comes and will come is trying to move you out of the place that God wants you in this moment. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a workplace, whether it's, whether it's a church, whatever it might be. Ooh, they got that. Wonderful. But that doesn't mean that's where God has placed you. Placement. 
And then you'll find two promises there. The first is protection. And for the sake of time, I don't have time to unpack this much, but if you skip over to Exodus 8 and 9, you find two specific plagues. You find one of flies and the second of hail. And in Exodus 8, listen to this, verse 22. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. And I will make a distinction between my people and your people. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to look around far to know that we live in a very different land than we lived 20 or 30 or 50 years ago. You look around and you say, how in the world can people shoot up a school and kill a bunch of kids? How? I don't understand. I mean, and, and two or three generations ago, these weren't even heard of. I mean, kids, they got together after school and they pushed each other a little bit and called it a fight. Now people are bringing weaponry to school. We wonder, what is that? Well, it's those movies and those violent video games. No, it's not. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's demons. You say, whoo, what is that? I didn't know that was real. It's real. Satan's real and his friends are real. They're called demons. And in a society that moves from being deceived to defiled to demonized, what we have is a culture now that's full of demonized people. They don't think right. They're addicted to stuff. And yet, the promise, if you live in Goshen, the flies won't come to you. Uh-oh. You mean the blood of Jesus that's over my household, over my son and daughter? You mean, yes, exactly what I just said. Is that the demons of the culture don't have to get to your family if you're rightly placed in Goshen. But the primary distinction was not just protection. It was, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you that where that boundary is, is that there's blessing on this side and there's cursing on this side. Can you imagine? You got flies and you're spitting them out of your mouth and your eyes and you're crunching them on your feet. It's horrible. Can you imagine peeking over at Goshen and there are no bugs? It's just like, I think I want to live over there. Are God's people living in such a way that people want to step off from the flies and they want to move into a bug-free environment known as the church and the kingdom? Hail. Exodus 9. Hail falling from the sky, killing everything, stripping all of the limbs and off trees and vegetation. Except in Goshen, there was no hail. There's protection. And then lastly, there's provision. Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt. And he said he provided for them. But you see, it's all tied to proximity. It's all tied to, will we allow God's placement in these days? And will we stay put in that place? So the protection and the provision. Five more years of famine. And you look around and all the signs say, the storm has passed. The Dow's exploding. Housing starts are up. Unemployment's down. Whee! 
Some trust in horses and chariots. But I tell you, some of you sitting here, things are not necessarily tied to those numbers. Your own personal economies, some of the challenges you're facing, there's still a famine outside your door. And yet, in Goshen, there is provision. What have I said today? Proximity, draw near to God, draw near to one another. His presence is found in being rightly placed. If you don't know you're in God's placement, find out. If you are, stay put. Don't let the enemy try to move you off of that. And the twofold promise of being there is protection. There's some protection that only he can provide. All the antibiotics in the world and all the face masks and all of the protections that you try to pat up around your life. Let me just tell you, he's the only one that can truly protect you. And provision, if we'll allow his presence, allow his placement.